Hey everyone, it's Rob and welcome to Starfield Pulse episode 22 for Monday, October 9th, 2023. Let's get on to the news of the week. And there was actually a pretty exciting topic that came out today. We got patch notes. We got a patch to the game. Drum roll, please. Starfield updates 1.7.36 for October 9th. 2023 and it's literally four bullet points seriously guys anyways a new update has been released for starfield on all platforms this update includes changes to settings that allow for players to adjust their field of view as well as some other performance and stability improvements thank you so much for your continued feedback and support of starfield and we look forward to a future with you on this journey starfield 1.7.36 update fixes and improvements general FOV sliders are now available in settings that allow players using first person or third person to adjust their FOV. Performance and stability, PC only. Improved stability for Intel Arc GPUs. Various additional stability and performance improvements. Quest, Echoes of the Past, addressed an issue where tunneling creatures could pick a location that would prevent progression. Now that is great that they fixed the game breaking bug on a quest, but there had to be more, right? Seriously? Game's been out for about 40 days now. They've had two patches. And while people are like, hey, this is one of the least buggy games that Bethesda has ever released, let's not pretend that there weren't bugs. So they're either fixing stuff in the back end and not telling us about them, or this pace is pretty abysmal. I was playing today, and you know, some things that popped to mind that with their companions, I asked about this a few weeks ago, actually, on the podcast. You know, for those of you listening on Spotify, you'll notice that I put a poll and a question every week. And one of them was, what would you do about the companion AI? And I came up with my own answer today because I was questing with Barrett. And I think he's probably one of my favorite companions to quest with. But we're going around and I'm talking to him. And there's literally a laser going through me because Barrett is pointing his pistol right at me. So what I want is, and hey, Bethesda, I'm offering to do this if you're listening, let me be a weapon safety consultant for you because never point a weapon at anything you do not intend to shoot. And evidently, no one has taught that to companions because lasers just cutting right through me. If a firefight broke out, Barrett would have just shot me to blazes. So that's not good. We need, Let's fix that. So let, let's see that in the next notes, right? Neural. Companions, weapon safety. Barrett will no longer try to shoot you while he's talking to you in a cutscene. Also, same area, bug with Barrett. I'm trying to progress the main story quest where I'm in a temple and I'm trying to get the little thing inside the temple going without getting too in detail for anybody that's concerned about spoilers at this point. And Barrett, like all of a sudden, pops up with a quest that's like, talk to your companion. So I go, talk to Barrett while I'm inside this temple and should be progressing the main story. And I'm like, what's going on here? And then it's like an opportunity to RP with Barrett and flirt with him and stuff. It's like, how does this interrupt the main story quest with this side stuff? Anyways, I'm more than just a little flustered at the moment with Starfield. So I don't want to sound too down on it, but I've really been able to kind of finalize my opinions on the game. And that is, it's just not for me. I've felt this way for a long time, and I've been trying to put in the hours, 
but I can't fake the funk anymore. Like, I just don't enjoy this game. There are so many things about it that scream to me that, hey, you're going to love this. And the promise of the game is wonderful. The reality of the game is not so much. They have a bunch of disparate systems that they cobble together and they just don't feel as a cohesive unit. So it's great that you can build all these really cool colonies, you know, all these little, you know, these bases, whatever you want to call them, these mining communities. Let's just throw names out there. The shipbuilding is really cool. So there are really cool things that you can do, but I'm just not having fun with it. So I'm finding like every excuse I can to play something else when I'm trying to put time into that game. And every time I do get into it, I run into something just that obnoxiously bothers me. And it's like, I, I don't want to play this. <laughs> so I, I think I'm going to put it away for a while and come back to it. And I've had to do this before with a few open world games that I ended up actually really enjoying, predominantly with Witcher 3. I had to really try that game three different times before it clicked with me. And that's a phenomenal open world RPG. And I love it. And I think that by any standards, people will tell you that's one of the best open world RPGs of modern times. So maybe, maybe I'll have that happen with me in Starfield. But I'm going to set it down for a few weeks and then come back to it. I'll probably do a fresh start. There are things that I've had a lot of fun with. I've had a lot of fun interacting with the community, uh, hosting this podcast, doing the live streams doing the streams before the game went live, talking to the people that were waiting for it in a hype. But I just, I can't get myself into the game. Every time I start, it's like, I'm done. So you're like, well, what does that mean for the podcast? Obviously, I'm not going to do a Starfield-themed podcast for the next however many years for a game that I don't want to play. That'd be just insane, right? One of the things that I think has been noticeable over the last few weeks is that I've been starting to talk about other games in addition to Starfield. I know some people have encouraged that. Some people have not been happy about that. So for those of you that listen to this and you want to get Starfield updates, we will still tab that. As Starfield does things that are noteworthy, I will talk about them. We will continue to bring them up in the show. But we're going to start talking a lot more about other RPGs and open world games. Because that's what I'm passionate about. And I think that those of you that have been listening to this and that enjoy the conversations that we've had will continue to listen and enjoy the conversations we have about those RPGs and open world games. And for those of you that are only here for Starfield and you're going to bounce out, you know, I totally understand, right? You got to do what you got to do. You got to go find your tr enjoyment. You got to follow your truth, so to speak, right? And if that's not this podcast anymore, I totally hear you. So along those lines, I'm going to rebrand this podcast. It'll no longer be Starfield Pulse. It's going to be RPG Pulse. So again, it'll be home for talking about conversations around RPGs and open world games. So whether that's a CRPG, a JRPG, probably not tabletop RPGs as much. But if you see the pictures of my office, you'll see that they're just filled with books that are also tabletop RPGs. So we can have those conversations. We can have we can talk about those topics. Like right now, D&D &D is getting ready to reintroduce Planescape into 5th edition. And I guess they may have snuck some things in it before. But anyways, they've got like three, I think, books coming out. They're smaller, similar to what they did with the Spelljammer books. So anyways, I said we weren't going to talk about TT 
we were not going to talk about TTRPGs, and here I am talking about TTRPGs. So let's bring this around. Starfield, if I had to stick a score on it, I would probably put a seven at the highest because I think it is average. And that is because I'm I'm giving them points for effort. I really think that they missed the ball with the way that they did the planets. I think they put too many planets and they did that really to hit a marketing number and that saying, we got a thousand planets. Yeah, you have a thousand planets that are boring as sin. It takes entirely too long to get from one point of interest to the next. We spend way too much time going from one screen to the next traveling. It just, it's not cohesive. It's disjointed. And the narratives themselves are kind of like, eh, the main quest is, eh. The side quests are the best quests. I think they did a really good job of building a sandbox for other creators to build really cool mods. And it'll be interesting to see what the modding community comes up with. But so far, I'm just, I'm not compelled to continue to play the game. So I'm not going to sit here and continue to badmouth it. But if people wanted to ask me what my number would be, it'd probably be like a six and a half, right? It's average to good. It's not great. It's not excellent. It's not even remotely in running for game of the year. Uh, I I hope they stick with this and continue to work on the game and we end up with something truly fantastic a few years from now. But as of right now, that's just not it for me. That being said, there was a pretty interesting news article that popped out there. One of the players has apparently surveyed all thousand planets and use that term loosely. Let me go ahead and find that article. I know that, I believe it was an IGN article that talked about it. All right, let's find it. I thought it was on, it was them who shared this. There we go. A Starfield player surveyed all 1,694 planets in 200 hours, and they interviewed him. So this is by Wesley Yenpool. Sorry, Wesley, if I mispronounced your name there. Ahead of the launch of Starfield, Bethesda chief Todd Howard said there were over a thousand planets to explore in the science fiction role-playing game. From barren but resource-heavy ice balls to Goldilocks planets with life, Howard said during the Xbox and Bethesda game showcase. In June, and not just this system, but over a hundred systems, over a thousand planets, all open for you to explore. It was a number that would go on to dominate pre-release discussion around Starfield. How could any game have so many planets for the player to fully explore? How could such a thing be fun? It's not really. Sorry. Bethesda's answer came in the form of procedural generation. Not all thousand planets would be handcrafted by developers at Bethesda. A small portion would be. In fact, Howard would go on to reveal only 10% of Starfield's planets would have life on them. Still, over a thousand planets. It was one hell of a number, a number that sounds fantastic in an advert. Again, marketing. That's why they came with that number. They didn't come up with that number for good design. And that's one of the things that frustrates me the most, is that they did it because it sounded cool, not because it is cool. And that's one of the things that's biting them in the butt. So over a thousand planets, it was one hell of a number, a number that sounds fantastic in an advert. Starfield is a game so vast that exploring all those planets would take any right-thinking player in age to do. Now, a month after Starfield came out, one player has done it. Congratulations to you, sir, or sirette. Josh, or as they are known as Reddit, Doom Zero, is that Starfield player. Last week, Doom Zero took to the Starfield subreddit to stake their claim. A true scientific explorer, the thread title reads, fully surveyed every planet possible, and there's a screenshot showing the details of this monumental effort. Systems visited, 120. Planets scanned, 1,695. Planets fully surveyed, 1,694. I wonder what the disconnect there is. 
Planets landed on 1,441. Flora fully scanned 807. Fauna fully scanned 794. Nations docked with 86. Ships docked with 22. It's that planets fully surveyed figure we're most interested. Howard, in hindsight, undersold Starfield with that over 1,000 planets to explore line. Doom Zero was able to fully survey an eye-watering 1,694 planets. A lot of those are moons. A few planets are apparently bugged. More on that later. Surprise, surprise. But to give you an idea of just what is required to fully survey each planet possible, we need to talk about what surveying planets in Starfield involves. There are a few different types of planets when it comes to fully surveying in Starfield, each of varying difficulty. There are gas giants you can fully survey from orbit. Most moons only have a couple of resources to scan for completion. And then there are planets that can have resources, points of interest to visit, and many fauna and flora to scan for completion. There are no shortcuts, really. To fully survey all the planets in the galaxy, you have to at least visit each planet from orbit. In order to fully survey some planets, you'll need to find their special planet traits, which are usually geographical or environmental features that need to be discussed as you explore. That need to be discovered as you explore. The term planet trait is a bit vague, but essentially refers to a number of anomalies or features that become points of interest you can discover while exploring a planet on foot. I cannot tell you how odd I found that when they were like planet traits and like, we're going to find something that gives us some kind of ability. And no, as you guys, most of you, I should say, probably know at this point, you find some kind of like ecological disaster or some kind of special thing like a dried up ocean bed. And that is the planet trait. Any planet you explore usually has anywhere from zero to three undiscovered traits. In order to fully survey a planet, you must find and catalog enough traits in addition to scanning its flora, fauna, and resources. How did Doom Zero go about completing this unique in-game challenge? Why do it in the first place? I have no idea. What did they find along the way? IGN asked the burning questions, and the answers found the beating heart of Starfield unveiled. Once I started playing and learned about the survey and fully surveying planets, the idea just kind of got stuck in my head. Doom Zero says when asked what motivated them to survey each planet, although they admit they are really not sure. I'm a bit of a completionist and thought that it would be just a cool personal accomplishment. To visit all the planets, Doom Zero worked their way across the galaxy map from left to right, top to bottom, trying not to miss any systems along the way. They faced a number of challenges, not the least the natural learning curve, figuring out the best ways to go about fully surveying a planet in the first place. Learning all the different types of fauna I was looking for was probably the biggest one, Doom Zero says. There can be flying creatures and small beetles that you need to find. The most difficult one was learning that there are actually aquatic creatures to be scanned in the ocean biomes, and those can only be accessed by landing in an area that has the coast descriptor attached to it. Pro tip, if you need to find aquatic life, you have to land in a coastal area. Another thing I realized early on was how important all the scanning skills were going to be. When asked for any tips they have for fellow would-be Starfield explorers, it's the skills that come on top. Doom Zero suggests five main skills that help reduce the time and effort it takes to fully survey. For physics, zoology, scanning, botany, and surveying. All help tremendously, they say. Meanwhile, boost pack training with a skip boost pack along with fitness to improve oxygen use are must-haves for cutting down on time traveling to scan points of interest. It's not hard to talk to Doom Zero about their space adventure without asking how long it took. Doom Zero has played Starfield about 200 hours so far, and probably 180 of those were spent surveying. Given Starfield was just a month old when Doom Zero posted their accomplishment on Reddit, that is on average over six and a half hours every day, seven days a week for, their, <laughs> for 30 days straight. That's a lot of Starfield. I did a couple of the main quests to get the game started and a few side activities along the way as well, but it was mostly surveying, Doom Zero explains. When I completed surveying the galaxy, I was level 130. While Doom Zero has fully surveyed all the planets possible in Starfield, there are some planets they found impossible to survey because of apparent bugs. 
Doom Zero ran into three planets with problems. Two of these planets are currently impossible to fully survey, while one is doable with a bit of nifty quick saving and reloading. I was able to find, so really that's not doable. If you have to quick save and reload to do it, that's a bug. I was able to find a few different threads of people talking about these planets online, which helped me figure out they were bugged. <laughs> they said, Masada 3 has an ocean biome fauna that doesn't seem to spawn. Beta Mary has a fauna in the wetlands that can't spawn. Sherbotus 2 is bugged on first glance, but Doom Zero found a workaround. Sherbotus 2 has a flying fauna that spawns into the world invisible, but if you go to an area there is supposed to be quick save and then load that quick save, they become visible and scannable. Hopefully Bethesda patches a fix for that planet sooner rather than later, not at least so Doom Zero can rest. Well, you know, they just put a patch out today. Apparently that one didn't make the cut. That or it wasn't important enough to talk about. I don't know. Again, I'm going to stop poo-pooing on the Starfield. In an interview with the New York Times, published alongside the release of Starfield, Ashley Chang, Bethesda's managing director, said the developers made sure there was enough to do in the game without jam-packing all 1,000 planets with content. Not every location, he said, is supposed to be Disney World. Well, that's good. In fact, I think they should have had a lot less locations, should have focused on the content on those locations, and that way they would have been a little bit more engaging. But again, that is just one person's opinion, and that is my opinion. But in a bit of good news, we did another giveaway on my Twitter. So for those of you that follow, hey, JBJB, for those of you that follow, you'll notice that I gave away a month of Game Pass. I gave it away today. The winner was Peter Briffs29629. And that is because tomorrow, Forza is coming out, is fully released on Xbox and PC. It's been an early access, um, I don't know, early release for the last like five days. It's kind of what Xbox does to try to upsell their products these days. Since everything hits day one on Game Pass, they have to have like, day negative five to get you to get it a little bit early to incentivize people to actually buy the games and not just playing through game pass but hey i'm giving away things all the time on twitter i get things for free from devs i like to share the love so make sure you're following me on social media so you get a chance to get in on those giveaways as well so the question i posted last week on spotify was what new game are you looking forward to the most this month and i got a, like five pretty solid answers phil alex said AC Mirage looks cool, but I'm not putting down Starfield yet. John said more Starfield, followed by more Starfield. Anything else will be there if I ever need it. John, I'm sorry. I have a feeling you're gonna be mad at me after you hear this episode. Liam, always count on Liam. He's always commenting on these episodes. Thanks, Liam. I really appreciate it. Says, actually, I'm looking to get into some games that I have been, let's start that over. Actually, I'm looking to get into some games that have been around a while. Halo Reach, Fallout New Vegas, and some COD. I can tell you that I think that Fallout New Vegas is the best Fallout. I really enjoyed that. And I don't think it is a coincidence that it wasn't developed by BGS. Halo Reach, that I have played just a minimum amount of. And I'm not a huge Call of Duty fan, but I have played some Call of Duties. Enjoy yourself with the COD. Norton said Spider-Man 2, when I can finally afford a PS5. Well, Norton, I have uh, some good news for you. I'm not giving away a PS5. But I will be playing Spider-Man 2 and streaming it on this channel. So if you want to swing by, pun intended, if you want to swing by and watch, feel free to say hello. And uh, I'll happy to show you what it's all about. And then Ricknitzer said Cities Skylines 2. That looks super slick. I'm not a big 
like simulator builder kind of guy. I do enjoy them. Played a lot of SimCity when I was younger. Not so much these days, but City Skylines was a fantastic game. Skylines 2 looks amazing, and I hope you really enjoy that. How would you improve the companion AI was my like free answer that it asked. And I did that one like two weeks ago. And I like, again, I finally came up with my own. And I mentioned this at the top of the show. And that is I would teach them weapon discipline because it was really unjarring to be walking around and constantly having a laser sight going through center mast of me because Barrett's behind me and just holding his pistol straight forward while walking behind me in a straight line. And it's like, Barrett, if a firefight breaks out, am I the first thing you're going to kill? Because that's what it really feels like. Again, so I'll offer my services to you, Bethesda Game Studios. If you want a weapons consultant to actually tell these, you know, companions on how they actually handle their weapons in a safe manner, let me know. We can work something out. I also had a poll and I had a really great answer, I think. So I wanted to share that with you. And I want to go back real quick and make sure that I get the right percentage. Yes. So I asked. Do you think the console wars are dumb? Because they're almost unavoidable in social media, especially around Starfield. So many people were down on Starfield, not just because it was potentially a mid-game, like they legitimately thought it wasn't very fun, but they just wanted to be down on it because they love Sony and hated everything Xbox. And we're seeing that to the same degree with people in Spider-Man 2. But I said, do you think the console wars are dumb? And we had 18 votes and 16 people said, of course, they're silly. And two said, heck no, give them to me. And I suspect those two were probably just leaning in to the the potential fun of it. I think some people do have fun with it. And I think other people self-identify with it and it becomes a part of their personality, like which console system, what ecosystem they're ingrained with. The joke's on both of them, by the way, because they're all fighting for number two to Nintendo's number one, right? Because no one can touch Nintendo. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, really, though. I do love Nintendo, and they've had just fantastic slate of games come out this year that was actually better than both of Xbox and Sony put together this year. It's not like that every year, but this year they definitely just put them to shame. They just... Uh, off the top of my head, they had Zelda, Pikmin. They've got Super Mario RPG coming out. They have Super Mario Wonder coming out. They also had a number of other first-party games, which are escaping me off the top of my head because they didn't put these down in the notes. But yeah, Nintendo's had a great year. Uh, Xbox has had a pretty good year, too. Sony, not so much, but Spider-Man 2 is going to be great. So but yeah, it's good to see that most people, especially those that are listening to the show, think that they're silly. And don't identify with that because the toxicity that surrounds those, it it scares me sometimes. It really does. Um, I think a lot of people, though, just do it for the reaction. They just do it for the engagement. And I'm glad to see that people around here recognize that or like, eh, it's not for me. Last week, I did talk about some of the upcoming games, and we've actually had a few of those come out now. So Assassin's Creed Mirage came out on, I think it was the 5th. I I got a copy of it from ubisoft and was able to play it spent a about seven hours now at this point and i'm really enjoying it and i didn't really care for the older assassin creeds right they really weren't my style but i got into them 
with Assassin's Creed Origins. And I don't even know that it was because of the systems. I just enjoyed the story that was playing out. But I also liked it because it was an open world RPG. So as I played through that game, I was like, man, I really am starting to like this franchise. And I liked Odyssey. I know some people love it and it's their favorite. I think we spent too much time on the high seas. That wasn't my jam. I was more at home running around Spartan kicking Spartan kicking people off cliffs and less so, you know, trying to captain a ship. And then in Valhalla, I liked I liked it too. There was I felt it was a lot more bloated. The thing I didn't like is that the narratives were disjointed. It felt like there was two parallel narratives going, one with your main character and then the other one um, with Odin. And they could get out of sync with each other when it feels like they should have been happening in parallel. But like you could almost do the entirety of one and then go back and do the other. And But it's like, well, it makes less sense that way. So it started to fall apart narratively. But I thought the world was great. I know people complain. They're like, oh, they're too bloated. You don't have to do everything, people. Like if there's a point of interest over there and you're not interested in doing it, don't do it. You're not going to get punished for it. No one's forcing you to do it. But for the people that love those games and love living in those worlds, those are there for them so they can go do it. It's not like Starfield where there's all these additional planets where you feel compelled to go to the planet and you get to the planet and there's nothing to do there. Those are points of interest where there will be something there to do. It's not like you're, it's a point of maybe. And then you go to that point of maybe and it's like, well, there was really nothing to do here. Now I'm upset that I came here. It, you know, there's something to do. You just may not like to do it, so don't do it. Regardless, Assassin's Creed Mirage got back to the roots. It dumped a lot of those RPG systems. As you progress through the narrative, you will get better skills and open up skill points. It's not like you're going through and grinding and getting experience points from killing mobs or completing like points of interest. It's as you complete the story, you will start to get upgraded skills. Now, you can go and do things and get armor and weapons, but even then, you really can't out-level the content, so to speak. So it's less RPG than the previous ones are and more just adventure game, an open-world adventure game. And I really enjoyed it. So I'm enjoying it, and I hope to finish it before Lords of the Fallen comes out later this week. So Assassin's Creed Mirage came out already. Wargroove 2, which we briefly mentioned, has come out. I have not played it yet. I don't know that I'm going to get an opportunity to. I did play the original. Loved it. Uh, I really enjoyed the callback that it had to Advance Wars. But I think that one is just going to be a victim of everything that's come out. Forza comes out tomorrow. Obviously, I'll load that up on the Xbox and hop right into that. Do a couple laps. I'm not a big gearhead. And I don't use that as a pejorative. I'm just not a big gearhead. So I kind of like racers. I'm more like a kart racer. You know, my speed is more Mario Kart than going in and actually doing, you know, real GT cars. However, I logged a ton of hours in Gran Turismo 2. And my car of choice in those was the Dodge Viper. Not because they were the best car. I just happened to love those cars. But I tell you, they felt like they steered like boats sometimes so if i were to go back in i don't necessarily know that i would choose to go with the viper even though i know they're in the game and they look beautiful still forza i'll hop in and get a little bit of that 
again, not open world and not RPG, so we won't spend too much time on that. Lords of the Fallen comes out on the 13th, so I will definitely be hopping in this weekend and getting some hours into Lords of the Fallen. I did play the first one, not a lot. At the time, I really wasn't into the Souls genre. I did have the opportunity to meet the team behind the original Lords of Fallen back in 2014 at E3. So I'm looking forward to supporting this new iteration they have. Probably should have came up with a better name. I know people that are super confused about it. I think that that is their own fault. I don't think they've really done a really good job of communicating that this is a sequel slash reboot slash reimagining. It's not a remaster or remake of the first game. It's more like a sequel, but has the same name and just dropping the the doesn't make that clearer <laughs> for anybody. So that's what I have on tap for this week. What I've been playing, again, playing Assassin's Creed, uh, playing some Starfield, playing Liza P. I finally got just super frustrated at that one, though, this morning, and I had to set it down. I was having some issues. I'm actually wondering if my controller was starting to go bad because I wasn't rolling. I was just kind of like, hopping to dodge which i shouldn't have been doing so and i had full stamina so regardless i was like oh gotta set you down for a bit before i get too upset because something's going on here that and i've been playing mortal kombat 1 and by the way did you know that there's an rpg in mortal kombat 1 so if you're in the single player mode and you play the evasions you get a map that you'll progress across you know earn experience and then once you level up you can purchase skills. And it's funny because it doesn't need to be in the game at all, but it's there. And it is like a fully fleshed out. It's not super robust, but it's a pretty fleshed out um, RPG within Mortal Kombat 1. So <laughs> if you ever have the opportunity to at least just get your hands on it and play it a bit. I'm not saying that it's worth going to spend $70 on that alone, but the fight, the fighters you actually get to fight in that too are variants for the most part. They're not regular characters that you would fight throughout the game and they're pretty fantastic. So it's worth playing like the first few stages, I think just to get to see those new characters. So that's really all I have on the show notes, but we got a little bit of time left. So let's hop in here real quick and take a look at some of the other news stories that have come out over the last week. Earlier in the week, there wasn't a whole lot, but I haven't actually taken a look at my Google alerts for the last few days. Meet the Starfield player who surveyed all thousand planets. We just went over that. Starfield leaves fans divided on whether it's one of Bethesda's best games. Dixerto. I am one of the people that clearly fall into the half that does not believe it's one of the best games. Starfield search and seizure walkthrough. Starfield player builds incredible city on the water. Let's see if we can see that. Starfield player spends 180 hours collecting succulents. Starfield med bays are a giant missed opportunity. Starfield athlete maxes out gymnastics to resurrect an old oblivion tradition. 10 biggest Starfield story spoilers and reveals. We won't read that. Starfield, how many ships can you have? Every Starfield faction questline ranked best to worst. This entire Google alert is just all articles by Game Rant, other than Dexerto and the first one by IGN. Here we have Starfield is an inspiring odyssey that could rekindle mainstream interest in space exploration, and that is on space.com. Starfield, how to get the Detura ship that's on dual shockers. One month later, I've forgotten all about Starfield. 
That's from Insider Gaming. Starfield, player makes helpful realization after 220 hours. After investing 220 hours into Starfield, a player discovered that the manipulation skill can be used to force NPCs to open locked containers. That's great, Data. I'm really happy to hear that you are enjoying the game. Starfield community shocked as they rediscover for forgotten Starship mechanic. Cyberpunk 2077 versus Starfield. We're not going to get into those, those articles. Starfield, 10 best engines ranked. Starfield player discovers hoarder-esque workaround to ship cargo limits. And 10 things Starfield's Shattered Space DLC must include. Let's see what they discovered to work around ship cargo limits. And it better not be something silly like do a console command. 10 best Starfield ship parts and where to find them. How to find Nova Galactic ship parts in Starfield. Cyberpunk 2 may have Starfield-like third-person toggling. Starfield hardest star systems is Starfield on Xbox One. Starfield Animal Husbandry, how to unlock, build a facility, and farm XP. Starfield player builds Incredible Galaxy Express Locomotive. Starfield, how to make your character as OP as possible. Starfield Enlightened versus Sanctum Universum, which is better. And Starfield, the best physical skill builds. All right, let's go take a look at those articles that I keyed up. Starfield player builds Incredible City on the Water. The article that they're showing is not player built city. All right, but this is, and this is just another article, Game Rant, scraping Reddit. So let's just go to the source material, Reddit itself. That's pretty cool. So for those of you that are listening and not watching, they do have uh, most of the city is over, uh, I guess some of the city is over land. A good portion of it is over what kind of looks like some brackish water. And then they have a, a landing, a landing pad. Sorry, the word escaped me for a second there. They have a landing pad connected to some other gangplanks and platforms that is out over the water. And that's actually pretty cool. So good on them for working through there on how to do that. The next one we had was, yeah, I don't want to, that was just Starfield player makes realization after 220 hours. And that was that they can force their companions to unlock crates. This one's from Dual Shockers. It's a Starfield player discovers hoarder-esque workaround to ship cargo limits. Ship cargo at maximum capacity? Just throw it on the ground. With so many items to collect and sell in Starfield, cargo capacity can be one of the most important things in the entire game. Whether it's your character's carry capacity or your ship's cargo hold, leveling up and upgrading the two allows you to store much more cargo. What happens when you're out of skill points and out of cash for upgrades? Where are you supposed to store all that precious, precious cargo to sell later on? Well, one player has realized that there's actually a pretty simple yet effective way to store all that extra cargo. Just throw it on the floor of your ship. It ain't going anywhere. So, <coughs> somehow I feel like this person was not the first to figure this out, nor the only. Reddit user Fools Forever took the Starfield subreddit earlier this week to call out the know-it-all who said they would lose their cargo if they just dumped it on the floor of their ship. It turns out you can actually just leave your excess items laying around and they won't go anywhere as long as you don't upgrade or edit your ship, that is. In the image seen in the post above, the player shows off all of their hoarded cargo jam-packed into their ship. It's certainly not the most ideal way to store things when you run out of cargo, but it's not stupid if it actually works. And there is a picture of just junk. Like this literally probably would make your skin crawl. I can only imagine the cockroaches and rats and feces and PB that are in that pile of junk. I may have seen one too many episodes of uh, Hoarders Buried Alive. I don't suggest that show unless you like nightmares 
All right. So that's going to be it for this week. Thanks for those of you who stopped by and checked out and while we recorded live. I really appreciate it. For those of you that are listening, again, I hope you enjoy the new format going forward. If you have any questions or comments, make sure to let me know in the comments below if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to leave me a comment there as well. I'm Rob, and I'll see you next week.